1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Yeah, that's a Hall of Notes Monday for you. You pummel the Dallas Cowboys who are playing their starters for three-plus quarters and trying their hardest, and your backups destroy them. 26-6, 26-6, to six. that's definitely a Hole & Oats Monday. What's up? Welcome in. Grant and Danny on the fan, live from Buffalo Wild Wings. One last ride. Last time, hanging with you on a Monday after a game at B-Dubs. After today, Danny, will just be back in our Half Street Studios with no road trips to be excited about. Just
3: regular old shows talking about an offseason that's sure to be full of some intrigue. I'm going to start this way. Of course they did. Of course they did. I really should have seen it coming as a lifelong fan. I've got 10-plus years on the rest of you guys. I should have seen this coming, but I
2: didn't. If you want to hang with us and discuss the commanders beating the Cowboys, we are at Buffalo Wild Wings in Falls Church today, right off of Route 7. Please stop by, say hello, and kick it with your boys. Jay Gruden is on the show today at 5 o'clock. We've got a lot to discuss, including the debut of Sam Howell, some... Massive storylines around the NFL. Black Monday is here. Coaches, including Cliff Kingsbury and Lovey Smith, being fired. The Seattle Seahawks get the last playoff spot after the Packers got upended by Detroit in primetime last night. And the Texans blew a chance at the number one pick. And Bryce Young all coming up today on Grant and Danny. But let's start where you just drove the car, Danny, yeah. right to the destination, which was a week ago against Cleveland with their season on the line. They looked lifeless. They looked energyless. They couldn't do anything right in the first half against the Browns. Fast forward a week, Cowboys gave you everything they had. Like, let's not pretend like Dallas didn't need the game, didn't want the game. Dak Prescott tried his hardest and was 14 of 37 for 128 yards in a gross performance. This defense was outstanding. Sam Howell provided a spark and flashed like a strobe light. And the Commanders won 26-6. Any time
3: over the last month. Any point in time you wanted to play well. You wanted to play that physical brand of football where you were capable of just a little bit on offense. By the way, they left, what, a dozen points on the board with the goal line interception, the botched chip shot field goal, a couple other things, defense turning people over. You had what should have been a pick six dropped by Kendall Fuller, and then Dak Prescott threw another one. Of course this is what you did with nothing on the line other than some kind of back-patting congratulatory fest afterwards. Of course you couldn't muster it against Cleveland. Against San Francisco, I forgive you. They're really good. They got a chance to go to the Super Bowl with a third-string quarterback. You played the Giants twice. Two times. You could have mixed in one of these one time when it mattered. You couldn't have started two and three instead of one and four, giving away the first six weeks of the season. You couldn't have managed this once. At any point in time, of course they did it right now. It is infuriating. And I should have seen it coming. I should have known that whenever it doesn't matter, whenever the calories are their most empty, they're going to be stuffing their face with a donut after they ate a little teeny tiny salad and say they ate healthy that day. I should have known that they would do something like that. They played their best game of the season against their arch rival. And I love that, by the way. All those Cowboy fans that came, you're all frauds. Please feel shame and embarrassment as you leave that god-awful stadium I love that we got to sing. We like I had something to do with it. The '97 Redskins fans that were there got to give them a na 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 hey hey goodbye little serenade as they marched out of the stadium to not go to Dallas ever because you've never been you front running frauds. Of course you can't they can't call them well. front
2: runners. The Cowboys don't win very much. They haven't won in a long time. I don't know what they are, but they're not front running frauds.
3: Well, they became Cowboy fans when they
2: were good. That's possible. The ultimate front runner. A lot of young guys out there, though. They haven't seen them win playoff games, man. Well, that's true. I mean, it's not even the cool thing to do anymore. Now the cool thing to do is to be a Bills fan, you know, to be a, uh, a Bengals fan, fan yeah. Chiefs fan. The Cowboys are just famous for being famous. They are the Kardashians of the National Football League. Yeah, I don't have animosity or angry anger in me. It sounds like you're angry today. Oh, I'm furious. I don't really have that. That was last week for me. That was... You know, the, the Giants game at home for me, that, that's all over with. We took another spin on the hamster wheel of mediocrity around the sun. Yep. You know, we, we have completed our run on the hamster wheel for this year, and that's exciting. You can't be any more mediocre than this team has been for the majority of 30 years, and they did it again. They landed the plane 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. You literally can't be more mediocre than that. That's the most over 17 games you're not a winner.
3: Yeah, they had a chance to be under 500, but Todd. You're not a loser. <laughs> you,
2: you just can't be more the commanders than oh. that or the Redskins or the football team or whatever else they've been. And on top of that, Danny, in a 32-team league, they're 16th. I mean, you can't make that up. Yep. It feels right, doesn't it? 15 teams will pick before you. 16 teams will pick after you. You are the number 16 team in the draft. This will be the second straight year they picked. At number 16 overall. Last year, they netted Jahan Dotson. Hopefully, they make a pick as productive as that one looks like it's going to end up being. But I'll say this. I'm very happy for the fans that were at FedEx Field. I uh, spent some time tailgating yesterday. I got there early, set up my TV, watched some of the 1 o'clocks on Red Zone, and was hanging out with different fans over the course of the day at the stadium. And the people that go out and watch this team and support them, you deserve a day like yesterday. Because there was no real reason to go, and before the game, everyone was kind of just making jokes about themselves being there. Yeah. I don't know why I'm here. This is going to be terrible. Like this
3: whole thing is satire. It's like an art installation.
2: They all thought, uh, most of them thought, the team was going to get destroyed, just like you did and I did. I did, did, yeah. And they did the destroying. Now, I will say that this was both good commanders and terrible Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are playing in a playoff game next Monday night against the Bucs. They better be three times as good as they were yesterday, or they're getting worked by a mediocre Tampa team that won the worst division in the league this year. Mm -hmm. Dak Prescott's quarterbacking performance yesterday? Atrocious. The worst that I have seen in person at FedEx Field this year, worse than anything Carson Wentz did, who we made jokes about, worse than anything anybody has done. That was so bad from a passing standpoint. I don't want to hear a word about Dak Prescott for a while from anyone other than he's overrated and overpaid. 14 of 37, missing dudes all over the place, a buck 28 against a defense without John Allen and Cam Curl and Benjamin St. Just. He was horrific. Their offense stunk. Their punter couldn't catch a snap and gave him the ball at the 20-yard line in the red zone. Their, their punt returner muffed a return and gave them the ball set up just outside of the red area on another possession. If not for Joey Sly having his worst game of the season, where he quite literally left seven points on the field just in the first half alone, they would have beat the Cowboys 33-6. to This would have been one of their biggest laughers in years. But they did, as you said, leave points on the field. We'll get into Sam Howell in a second, but I, I want to commend the defensive effort from guys like Derek Forrest. Kalik Hudson got a rare opportunity. I thought he was awesome. He was really good. Danny Johnson was terrific in the secondary with some PBUs. David Mayo at Mike Linebacker was flying around like he's a baller. Some of the guys on defense, the Percy Butler, uh, Jeremy Reeves group in the secondary, I thought they were tremendous yesterday. And it was guys getting chances that they maybe haven't gotten or more extensive opportunities to let their hair down, and they balled out.
3: They did. They played great. They, They looked like the team that was on the way to doing something special, bullying people smacking them around. More physical, they were faster, they were flying, they were decisive, they knew what they were about. right? It, it looked like one of those, I see them every week, good NFL teams. That's what they look like. They look just like that, where you can't breathe on offense if you're the opponent, and defensively you got no answer.
2: What was crazy to me was they weren't really getting much pass rush on Dak. I thought he had time. And no one was ever open.
3: Yeah, I think that was by. De- I don't want to say it was by design not to pass,
2: rush the passer. Obviously,
3: defensive players well, there were, were trying plenty to do of stuff. plays
2: where they were dropping sweat and young. But I think so, in I th- coverage,
3: I think it was a "we're going to play coverage today" type strategy. It's what it felt like to me, anyway.
2: Um, Can I go? Hats off to Jack Del Rio. You were allowed to do that yes. with 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 very few of his best players, comparative to what the original plan would have been on the field. That was one of the more impressive defensive showings they've had. Their defensive ranks this year end up being number four total defense this season. Second time in three years under Del Rio, they've been a top five defense in yards. Eleventh in yards per play. Tenth against the pass. Number one on first downs allowed. Number one getting off the field on third down. Number one in goal to go. Top ten in the red zone. Eighth in scoring defense. Another really good year for Del Rio and this defense. Very
3: solid. I mean, the what we saw this year, I think, was the development really the the, the group of guys that we felt like were so disappointing last year, right? Thinking about that, that group up front, the front seven, really specifically the defensive line, then you add in Jamon Davis to that mix because the expectations of going in the first round, you saw that group take a violent step forward this year, right? Three, at least three of the four hype guys certainly did. We, we know about Chase Young's year uh, because of the injury. But Davis turned into a regular, good, old-fashioned NFL linebacker. Should never have been drafted where he was. That's a mistake that should always be pointed out. But now we're here. He's here. He was pretty good this year, I thought. Um, they didn't really miss Cole Holcomb when he went out. They found a way to sort of plug and play journeyman Jags in in that kind of a spot. But really this year was about the defensive line and, and the cornerbacks to me playing much better, especially once William Jackson was out of the mix. And it was Benjamin St. Juice's time to shine. And you got at times good play from Kendall Fuller last week, notwithstanding, but I think he was adequate there opposite. But yeah, you're right. I mean, some of the younger dudes that did as asked, right? The Jeremy Reeves story, right? I mean, think about him last year when we thought, uh, they might go out and sign a free safety after uh, some injuries and a, and a guy got released. No, 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 Jeremy Reeves, who was on the practice squad, worked his way up, got himself in the lineup this year, worked his way into being a Pro Bowl special teamer. Young players taking advantage and developing, that's actually a massive step forward, and that's the kind of thing that good organizations have all the time.
2: Biggest story yesterday, though, was we got to see Sam Howell. For the first time this season, we got to see this neo Fight quarterback drafted in the fifth round out of North Carolina and... He acquitted himself really admirably. He looked professional. He looked poised. He looked comfortable. The stage and the league were not bigger than him. All the nonsense, and I called it noise all week, and some of it came from their own building, by the way, with members of their own staff where they were worried that this guy wasn't ready, was always ridiculous. One final reminder not to trust this staff's evaluation of the quarterback position. At all. Because if... Some of the folks that are important in that building thought this guy was gonna pee down his leg. Basically, I don't care what you think about quarterbacks anymore. I haven't for a little while, frankly. But there's an exclamation point on that. I'm seeing that we're all throwing a Sam Howell party, and you don't need to be doing that either. Like it was fine. That there were. It's what you expect out of a young guy, frankly. He flashed. He made a couple of bad decisions. Had the terrible pick into triple coverage in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Good fortune for him, too. He threw 95% of his passes with a lead. They take over first and 10 from the 20, and on his first throw of his career on a little five-yard crosser route, it's a touchdown for Terry McLaurin. Uh, But he did some really good things, too. And what I'll say about Sam Howell today, Danny, is how I felt kind of coming into the game, and I have more conviction about it than ever. This is an enticing skill set. This is the starter kit for what you want in the league. He's got a big-time arm, and he's exceptionally athletic. He is mobile. He's got some foot speed. I thought the touchdown run on the little option where he cut back against the grain. It was nice, wasn't it? That was outstanding. Uh, he did a good job sliding and protecting himself. He's a good athlete in that regard as well. Uh, he ran for 35 yards in a touchdown. He threw for a buck 69 in a score. I guess the only reason I'm going to pour any cold water at any point today is I'm turning on the radio or I'm reading things this morning and I'm seeing people essentially crowning him as this is the franchise quarterback. And there's no way to know that after 19 passes. And I just don't want anyone to do what they did with Heineke. Because the people doing that are the same people that were saying Sam uh, Howell and, and Taylor Heineke. They, they, they had the same party. They passed out invitations with a 4 on it for Heineke. And now they're just writing a 1 on it and passing it out with a 14 on it. So everyone slow your roll on that. But I liked what I saw from Sam Howell. Yeah,
3: you, you should. And and that really is the story of this game, kind of as you said. Um, two things. One... His stat line would look a lot different were it not for two drops by really good receivers. Terry McLaurin had a drop on a third and four on a crossing route where I think he had room to run a little bit. That's, that's, a, that's a change. And Jahan Dotson on a dime down the sideline. I thought that ball should have been caught, to be frank. They're not an easy catch, but one that I need my receiver to make.
2: I'm yeah. not sure if that goes as a drop because he is going to the ground, kind of falling, diving, hits him with one-handed grab, essentially. You're right, though. He makes that catch, I'd say, 75% of the time. That's another 30-plus yards. Yeah, so we're
3: talking about a 13 for 19 for 215 yards, uh, one touchdown in the air, one on the ground. The interception, though, to your point, is that's kind of our our case study. And Here's what I mean. Everything that you would want to see and want to have happen yesterday from a Sam Howell perspective did. Teachable moment, right? Soft, lobbed-up throw into the corner of the end zone among three Cowboys. All three of them could have taken turns. Like, you intercepted it. No, you intercepted it. No, I'll go ahead and intercept it. Easy pick. Bad play. Cannot happen. Period. End of story. Really, really, really bad. You also saw the excellent. That Terry McCorn crosser out for a touchdown, I think, was his third read on the play. He adjusted his feet, slung it in time. There was a pass to Jahan Dotson later where it was either his second or third read. He had to sling it kind of sidearm to get around uh, a, a defender. Yeah. yeah. That went for, I think, 30 yards maybe. It, it was, was a
2: 34-yard gain on a seven-yard throw, but it was a slant. He had to wait for him to break across. Basically, it was, they, they caught him, in man, it was a really good call against the right defense. But, yeah, there were good things, totally. and, and You have to come away from the game thinking – this guy can play.
3: Yeah, you, you saw – and that's where I was going, just, just to close it out. The throw down the southern end of Dotson I thought was excellent. The throw down to McLaurin was probably even better. And, and you look at some of the things that he did in this game, the, the, the scrambling around, a couple of the natural run things to keep the defense honest, then you go, this is worth investigating. That's what, that's what people should be taking away today. Correct. Is, this, is, this is worth seeing more of at some point. However that means. If you're good next year somehow and you've got a, a big-time franchise quarterback – you keep him around as your backup. If you're going into the you know, trash heap veteran scrap pile route, maybe that's a guy that can win the job. I have no idea. But you saw some encouraging things. You also saw some teachable moments. I think that, to me, is, the, is sort of the perfect thing that I would prescribe uh,
2: for, for Sam Howell's first start. Well, that throw to McLaurin on the 52-yard bomb, which was a 60-yard air distance on the completion, that doesn't happen in this league every week in fact that rarely happens in this league that a ball travels 60 in the air and is caught it's not to say every quarterback or a lot of quarterbacks can't do it but to have it happen in game to, to throw that nine route as accurately as he did to drop it in the bucket like that is a really special throw in fact it was the longest completed pass by a commander's quarterback this season in terms of travel in the air. Heineke had a ball that traveled 58.1 yards. Wentz had a ball that traveled 54.5. That was 60 even for Sam Howe. And that 60-yard air distance on a 52-yard hookup with McLaurin was the fifth longest throw that was completed in the NFL in the air this season. Longest in the air over anything Taylor Heineke's ever thrown in his career and longer than any Wentz throw since 2017. you got to go back five seasons ago in his second year to find the last time Wentz did that, and Heineke has not. So I think those are just instructive nuggets in saying that was a big boy throw. He got to show off what is a really strong arm. I I was telling you a story about how I was watching him and Heineke warm up before a home game a handful of weeks ago. I think it was the Atlanta game. And they were taking turns basically throwing the ball from like midfield into the back of the end zone. And it was so noticeable and obvious to me how much more zip and just quickly Hal's ball was actually getting to the target that I started timing it with my phone, and it was noticeably like half-second difference from hand to caught in the back of the end zone. It's just a legitimate NFL arm, which is exciting. I just again say it's 18, I guess 19 pass attempts. Game script was in his favor. I mean, 95% of those throws coming with the lead. They had possessions that started at the 15 and the 20 of Dallas. They had five possessions that started at Washington's 40 or closer, right? Like, you just don't get many games like that. They weren't starting at their own three-yard line on the road. So I want to see more. I think most people probably feel the same way. How can you not be interested? The other takeaway should be this. In terms of a backup moving forward, if they are in the quarterback mode this offseason where they're going to try to go get a Garoppolo or a Carr or somebody like that, Howell is cheaper, he is younger, and he has more upside than Taylor Heineke. In addition to having a better arm, having more mobility and more foot speed. Game, set, match, as far as I'm concerned from a backup quarterback standpoint, when you just saw that he can play and he won't – have trouble getting out of the huddle. Doesn't mean both guys can't be here mm-hmm. or won't be competing. We have no idea what they decide. I mean, Danny, maybe the best way forward organizationally would be for someone to step in and tell Ron Rivera you don't get to pick another quarterback, <laughs> and then he just has to ride with Howell and Heineke. They have a bad year next year and set themselves up with a new head coach and a new GM and a, a owner going into his first full offseason you know, to be able to go seek a quarterback or something. So we just have no idea how it's going to end. But I would just be cautionary about deciding that Sam Howell's going to be the starter for the next 15 years after 11 completions. That's all.
3: I think it's well put. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, if, and if he was terrible yesterday, right, which is easily possible against the Dallas team that, you know, is, was good enough to maybe potentially win this division had Philadelphia, you know, not followed through and, and beaten the Giants, against a really good pass rush with Micah Parsons and company, had he folded him been terrible I, would, I wouldn't be in here saying, hey, let's write him off. Like, that's it. That, there's, no, there's nothing worth pursuing because there is. This was a good data point. We have that now. Nobody should be overreacting, though. We, we've made that mistake, or we should have uh, realized that we've made that mistake one million times too many here with quarterbacks and small samples. I, again, he, to me, should be very much in consideration for a significant role next year. That can mean, by the way— starter in certain circumstances that can also mean the unquestioned backup because as you said it's it's you know there's a skill set a worth more more worth developing b he's got some some game fire now but c it's very cost effective to have him do it rather than some of these other guys they'll have to bring back in free agency so yeah i I mean people should be excited but not to the point where they go let's print t-shirts and tell you that it's solved right (laughs)
2: We're, we're not there yet i mean you can see why though at one point in time at unc he was beloved yeah as a draft prospect and why people thought he might be the first quarterback in his draft class off the board before his final year in college. And he ended up going in the fifth round, which is in some ways like a death sentence for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes you don't become a starter, but you can outkick your coverage and outplay your draft status. And that's still the hope, I think, for him is that you can become one of the few guys drafted after the third or fourth round who turns out to be something in this league. But yesterday just made me wish we got to see more of him. They won too much in the middle of the year. That's what happened. And it's why, you know, everything that happened, happened. We don't need to readdress or reassess it. But if they wouldn't have been as close to making the playoffs as they were, they would have played him more, and it would have been much better for them moving forward. In other words, if they would have, instead of going 8-8-1, and won five games this year, and Hal played the last month, that we'd have a really good indication yes, of whether we or not this guy could play, and right now we're basing this on you know 19 passes and 25 dropbacks, and I wish we had 125 dropbacks, but we don't because you know they were in the mix until the very end of this season, and somehow still didn't get into the playoffs despite having a golden opportunity to. But we can open up the MGM National Harbor listener lines for you guys right now at eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. That's eight 800- hundred. 636 1067. If you want to talk Sam Howell or a commander's victory over the Cowboys, those are always fun now, aren't they? Our last show from Buffalo Wild Wings of the season. We are in Falls Church off Leesburg Pike. If you want to come see us, Grant and Danny on the fan.
4: So just really proud of these young guys that that have all stepped up. What about your rookie quarterback, Sam Howell? You wanted to be able to get a good look and kind of evaluate him as you do. Now go into the off season with question marks at that position. Where are you in the confidence of what he has and the performance that he did today?
3: I think Julie, you know, that's a great question. Uh, that, that there, there is reason to be optimistic. You know, we can build off of that. We can grow from that. Our, our, our guys came off the field with confidence, and and when you talk to the receiving corps, you talk to Terry, you talk to Jahan and Curtis, and and and, and they all talk about what what it can be going forward. So that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that type of optimism because it's something we can build off of. You mentioned um, a couple Rivera guys the-
2: on the Commanders radio network yesterday. Welcome back, Grant and Danny, on-site at Buffalo Wild Wings. Last show from B-Dubs for this season after the campaign finale. Buffalo Wild Wings and Falls Church today off Route 7. Punch it into your GPS, 5275 Leesburg Pike, the Commanders, topped the Cowboys 26-6. Sam Howell, first career touchdown pass on his first throw. You can't write that script any better, can you? That was pretty funny. Obviously, it took the punter... Not being able to catch a snap that hit hey, him right in the hands?
3: I feel like it's pretty easy to catch one of those. I mean, maybe uh, th- there's a lot of things that are hard about that job. I feel like that's the easy part, right? Isn't that the easy part? Just well, catching the ball?
2: If you pluck a person out of the stands, they might struggle. A professional punter who's done it all season long without issue?
3: Yeah, if, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, uh, Section 227 uh, Smith who's never received a snap from that angle and had a football come back at him with some velocity from between someone's legs like that. With giant men coming yeah. at you to tackle There's you. There's probably like an adjustment period of like two or three snaps. But I think most people just catch the snap. The other part's really hard. Catch a snap, man. That's where I'm at. But thanks for not doing it, I guess, in retrospect. Also that. <laughs> I suppose.
2: And then you have a four-yard run and the yeah. 16-yard throw on the wide open. A little crosser to McLaurin who said, that was the first time they defended him that way all year. He said he has run that route on that exact play and look all season. They've run that play, and never once has a linebacker been responsible for picking him up and following him. So he said when that, that happened, he knew, as long as Sam sees me cross his face, this is a touchdown. Touchdown. damn. And first throw, easy money for Sam Howell and the Commanders. At that rate, he would have had 19 touchdown passes. He had a perfect quarterback rating right then. I actually thought if I was him, maybe I'd just retire. I go over to the sideline, and I say, Coach, thanks for everything. Give the Jimmy Connors finger and walk out. I'll go coach high school football in North Carolina. This is as good as it's going to get. 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Let's go to the phones. Commanders, big winners over playoff-bound Dallas. Brian's in Capitol Heights on line one to get it popping. What's up, Brian?
4: Hey, guys. Enjoying the show? I was at the
2: game yesterday, and um, – yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting
4: game. Um, I'll just say it this way. Uh, you know, I'm a Dallas fan. I'll just get that out the way. Uh, but, but I do think that uh, the ship has sailed with number 14. The fans love him. Uh, they were howling in the stands because I, I was already joking with all my Redskins buddies. Saying, Are we playing the Redskins? Are we playing the Hogs, the Tuts, or the Washington team? No one or knows the right Commanders? Now. You know, I'm like, who are we playing? But as they as they started saying his name, saying howl, and they were howling, I said, oh my gosh! I said, this guy, they, they, there's a cult following already. But I thought he played
2: pretty good. Um, and then also, I just thought that, you know, the Redskins' had defense played very well.
4: Yeah, That's right. another reason you guys had the
2: one. Yeah, yeah you well, They dominated Dallas defensively in every phase, right? And a lot of it, I thought, they got some help, too, from Dak missing some easy and some normally complete throws, but they covered really well. There weren't as many open receivers as there typically are with that type of time to pass. I mean, at one point in time, he was almost 10 for 30 throwing the ball. Legit, like 10 for 29, I don't think I've ever seen that in person.
3: Yeah, there's a time in, in Dak's career where if you dropped eight, he'd have said, fine, just you know jogged for, for 12 yards and slid and you know until you got out of that coverage. I don't think he wants to do that anymore. I don't think he really wants to move around in that way. So I think that's kind of what you do to him. You, you play coverage. I mean, that's how guys have sort of tried to diagnose to beat Mahomes and a number of the elite quarterbacks now. It's not the blitz. You don't try to bring pressure. The you know, The normal axiom is you get him to the ground a bunch of times. Well, I think now you drop as many guys as you can for as long as you possibly can to frustrate. Yeah,
2: you know, I'm not sure that Sam Howell's a cult hero yet or, or is on, like, the Heineke status where I saw someone yesterday was showing me their sign where they, they made a sign when they came to the game yesterday to thank Taylor Heineke for all he'd done, which, I mean, God bless you. That, that's... It's your ink and paper. <laughs> it's, it's your ticket, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just can't imagine being that enamored with his very pedestrian performance that we're thanking him for the memories like like you won Super Bowls with him. But, hey, here we are. I do think Howell is a more worthwhile investment of your time and your energy and your effort, I will say. I mean, one of these guys was at Old Dominion while the other was at North Carolina, a big difference in terms of the talent you're playing. One of these guys had a great career at ODU while the other was in the ACC. And, and one of the two, and it's Howell, obviously, was considered a first-round pick at one point in time. You know, if he was drafted, let's say, in the second round or the third round even, how would we be feeling today? I keep asking myself that. Like, the fifth round label is significant because teams over and over again passed on him, and that tells you a lot. But I also think it's important to acknowledge that when we're wrong about draft picks, sometimes it takes way too long to shake those labels, and... You know, Dak Prescott, who's one of the higher-paid quarterbacks in the league when that deal kicks in next year and is pretty beloved, is a fourth-round pick, right? You look at the the playoff field and the NFC, and you've got a seventh-rounder quarterbacking the great 49ers and a fourth-rounder in Cousins with a 13-win Minnesota team. So it's not like just because you're in the fifth round you should never get an opportunity. But if he was a third-rounder, how would we be feeling? I think that's a fair question. All all I ask is that people keep an open mind – and really it doesn't – and I don't, I'm not talking about fans for the record. I mean in the building, like yeah. the, the grown-ups that have to make these decisions. My hope is that they aren't all howling today as they walk around the, the hallways and high-fiving like they've sorted it out. Like it's, we've got it. We're done. Yeah. I, I need you to go get a, a real quarterback as soon as possible. And if the offseason ends and Hal has a chance to compete, then so be it and we'll, we'll see what he is. You're not going to get me to be frustrated about that in the way I have been with Heineke because Heineke's ceiling – frankly, is just a lot lower than Howell's, uh, as their you know, resumes would indicate. And, and, frankly, their physical attributes. Like, everything yeah. that Heineke does, the fader gets turned up for Sam Howell. Let's go to Kevin in Arlington on Grant and Danny. Hey, Kev, what's up, buddy? Hey, guys, happy Victory Monday. Real quick, three things. I was wrong about losing out, pleasantly surprised. Uh, I will say it is consistent. It's on brand that we win when no one thinks we will. Um, but hey, that's not meant to be a left-handed compliment. I'm just
0: making an observation.
2: Uh, number two, Hal has a chance, no doubt. Let's let's settle down. But that was that was good. But I want to know why guys like Chris Paul and Kalique Hudson are just playing yesterday. You know, particularly Paul, given how horrific we were at offensive guards. Again, point. it might not just be quarterback that they can't evaluate. I don't know if they can evaluate other prospects. So Austin. Kevin. Here's a great point. So thank you, first of all. I appreciate the call. Chris Paul was graded yesterday via PFF as if he is a pro bowl caliber guard. Mm. Now, we're talking about a really small sample, right? And I think it was 28 dropbacks and 30-plus runs. Having said that, in the same way I'm telling you we shouldn't crown anyone, Sam howell after that number of plays, I'm not telling you Chris Paul, who they drafted in the late rounds, is – A put-it-in-sharpie, starting guard, moving forward, this is an absolute slam dunk. What I am saying, though, is they have been so bad at that position. They have run through so many options Uh at that position. And the guys that they were playing were not $20 million players, Brandon Sheriff. They were guys you signed off the scrap heap for a couple million bucks. Give your late-round pick a chance when you're not getting production. That's not crazy. If, if they want to tell me we couldn't have started Sam Howell when we're playing for the playoffs three weeks ago, I don't have to agree with you, but I'll say, okay, fine, no problem. You can't play a, a sixth or seventh-round guard over the dudes you've been playing?
3: Well, and, and here's the thing. I, I understand if it's a Sadiq Charles-like situation, right, or a couple of years ago. Remember when Morgan Moses came in and was looking the opposite way and, like, missed the snap and when it started? You probably couldn't play him then if those games were meaningful. They needed something. But when you look – at the performance of, of of Chris Paul, you look at the performance of Sam Howell, and these guys were just sort of languishing. As you said, while, the, while those ahead of them weren't really producing at a very high level, and then they could, that doesn't make you look real good, right? If, if you tried to Chris Paul out there and he'd, he'd false started six times, let three different guys go by him, and and you know just blasted Sam Howell and had no chance on, on most plays because he didn't know what he was doing, okay, that justifies your keeping him on the bench, to your point, right? But that's not what happened In, with either one of those young pieces. That's and, and I like Kevin's call for that reason. You're kind of going, did you have any idea that these guys might be able to do it? And if you didn't, problem. And if you did, problem. Right?
2: Yeah, I just think that after yesterday, it's easy for us, and I'm, I'm in the boat with everybody, to sit here and say, couldn't they have just done that against the Browns? Meaning Chris Paul could have played and done that. And I, sometimes the final week of a season is just quirky. And I know you played Dallas and they were hungry and they needed it and their starters were on the field. And so the thought is if you could do that in that game, you could have done it in a lot of games. I get it. But remember that this is kind of like a September baseball eval. Totally. And the final week or two when you're playing in a lost season and strange things like a muffed punt and you know a punter dropping the ball or ha- happening – It doesn't always translate, but it at least opens the door to these conversations to go, that guy couldn't have helped you more? He he played pretty well yesterday.
3: You saw something in him to draft him. You liked him at some point. Did you you like him so little as as you got a chance to get to know him? I don't know. It's frustrating.
2: Jay Gruden's with us at 5. Can't wait to hear what he thought about Sam Howell when the former play caller, OC, and head coach joins us here on Grant & Danny. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings off of Route 7 in Falls Church today.
4: Kevin Burkhart and Fox on the call.
2: Commanders just absolutely outclassing the Cowboys in every capacity yesterday. One of those two teams looks like they're playoff bound to be at Tampa Bay on Monday night. It didn't look like Dallas. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fence. Some other notable performances we didn't get to. We talked a lot about Sam Howell in the defense. I thought Jarrett Patterson ran the ball really well. He looked good. That was against a good Cowboys front. I mean, Some of his... Uh, accumulation was in the second half after they removed some of their starters. But he went 17 for 78, 4.6 a pop. They started with Jonathan Williams, who I like, and who's had a good year. But Jarrett Patterson was the hot hand. He was the guy that was much better yesterday.
3: There was a burst there. You know, it was, you know, that, that um, the thing that I care about for, for running backs between the tackles, and there's a million different ways to do it, right? You could be Derrick Henry. You could be enormous. You could also be small and compact and powerful, the Maurice Jones-Drew kind of, kind of formula, where you turned three into seven. He did that a couple different times, right, where it was just a normal pedestrian run, looked like not much going on, and Brian Robinson churns and brings the pile with him for for 15 seconds. But Patterson just kind of squirted through there a couple different times and got himself some extra yards. I was really impressed with him.
2: Curtis Samuel had one catch on a wide receiver screen for a loss of two. He also had one carry for minus four yards. So he touched the ball two times for negative six yards.
3: That's not great.
2: If you look at his first nine games versus his last eight games – I mean, it's so stark, right? First nine games, he had 45 catches. Last eight games, he had 19. In terms of running the ball, about the same number of carries, but in the first nine games, he had 122 yards. Last eight, about 65. Almost twice the production, both as a receiver and as a running back. And I don't really blame him. Like To me, that is an offensive issue. That's a scheme problem. That is a question for Scott Turner to be answered. They got not nearly enough production out of a guy and I've harped on this quite a bit this year. The ninth highest paid wide receiver in football against the cap this season. And he was largely a complete non-factor over the last couple of months. Well,
3: handing the ball off to him stop fooling people around then. I was a fan of it. I mean, in general, I know there was one third down and short that bothered people when they give it to Curtis Samuel. I'm in favor of getting the ball to your best players, and he's on that list. But I think the league caught on to how he was getting the football in certain spots, whether it was jet action or in the backfield, et cetera, and it stopped working for
2: sure. Let's go to Chuck, who's in DC online four. You could join us on the MGM National Harbor listener lines at 800-636-1067. What's up, Chuck?
4: Hey guys, how you doing, man? Look, What's up, buddy? I've been watching these uh, this team, man, and football all my life, man. What all I want to ask you is. So, all we seen was a little bit of Sam Howell last night. And from what I've seen, the guy looked pretty good. All I want to know is, is there anything wrong? I mean, when are we going to – We I keep hearing about this rebuilding, rebuilding, rebuilding. When are we going to, like, <clears throat> take a – let's just say we take a guy like Hal and, like, build around him. I mean, you know, like a start. Like, like, that'll be a start. Like, take Sam Howell. You know, you get your offensive line and just build around him. Like, I'm watching the uh, – The Giants, you understand, they're doing like um, the 49ers. You know, they're taking these young guys and they're building around. I just want to know, I mean, why can't we do that? Is there anything wrong with that?
2: Appreciate the call. No is the answer. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to throw the 49ers comp out, right, because they have the best defense in the league, maybe the best team in the league around their quarterback, and they have a savant offensive play caller and, and designer, the likes of which no one here can compete. So that's not fair because you put Brock Purdy in almost any other situation, you know, the results skew pretty quickly. But there are plenty of examples of you can go with a young quarterback and try to build things up. Here's the great benefit to that, Danny. If it doesn't work if they do that next year, you pick really high, and now you know he's not the quarterback. If you do that and it doesn't work, you're probably going to start over with a new GM and head coach. Like, that's not the worst thing after four years with a regime either.
3: Well, I'm not picking on the caller here, but there's, there's a phrase that gets used an awful lot. People just go, build around him. Well, what does that mean? What's actually the process of building around somebody? Acquiring good football players? Teams that are not building around a guy are trying to do that. That's what teams are trying to do. You're trying to acquire good football players to help you play good football and win some games and have productive offenses and the like. The point is, you really you want a really good quarterback, whether you want to build around him or not. If you get a superstar, you don't not build around him. You build around everybody. There's always, you're always building. There's 30%, 30, 40% of the league turns over each and every season. We're always going to be building around. We're building at all times. Every player that's on the roster is in the process of being replaced in this league with a shelf life of the average of two and a half years. So, again, I'm not, I'm not picking on you for using the phraseology. It's just something we just sort of lazily say about it. The, the question really to me is – Is this quarterback a franchise quarterback? Can you win with or win because of this person? Regardless of who's building what around whom, that's the essential
2: question, we can evaluate that. And we don't have an answer yet, and there's no way to have an answer yet. But his question is, is there anything wrong with the idea that they could just have Sam Howlett quarterback next year? And to that I would say no, probably not. But there's different ways to go about this. That would mean basically that they are, for lack of a better term, like They are just kind of settling and probably preparing for life after Rivera as an organization at that point, whoever's making that big-picture decision to go with Sam Howell. <clears throat> I don't think it's the worst thing to do because you either find out that he can do it or he can't. And the good news is that you'd be in a better spot to find a quarterback next year uh-huh. than you're in now when you go a different direction and you try to go at it quarterback and you go 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, which is a big big problem because now you're picked 16th and you've worked your way out of the conversation for the guys that can actually really help you quickly at the position. Let's go to James and Warrington. Hey, James. Hey guys, what's going on? What's up? Hey, um, I just want to say, um, based on what I saw yesterday, I think Sam Howell has at least the first crack at the starting job. I mean, I'm not saying he's a hall of famer, but I believe that he should have first dibs with starting reps for next season. And the reason why I say that is
0: because he he did all of these things behind the bad offensive line, and plus the Dallas defense is top three or top five, so for him to be able to perform
2: under those circumstances the way he did, personally, I think that has earned him the starting gig. Appreciate you. Yeah, 19 dropbacks shouldn't earn anybody a starting gig. Uh, certainly not as a fifth-round pick who's never played before that. Um, and when he says he did all of these things, 169 yards – you know, teams and points, if you take away the pick six, kind of similar to what they'd been. But, you know, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time today talking badly about Sam Howell. He played admirably, played well. We just have to be realistic, right? People are acting like he went out and he completed 80% for 357 <laughs> yards and four touchdowns. And that really wasn't what happened. The question is, do they want to try to do better at quarterback? Do they want to try to bring in a long-term starter? Spent eight, nine years as a starting quarterback a la car? Do they want to try to have a proven guy in the playoffs like a Garoppolo? Those cost a lot more money. And there's a real argument that very, very cheap Sam Howell, better than spending a lot of money on those guys for whatever upgrade that is. It's kind of back to last year. The big difference being I think Howell is a way better option with way more upside than Taylor Heineke who people had talked themselves into. Grant and Danny, Buffalo Wild Wings and Falls Church. What do you think of Sam Howell? What do you think of the win? That is the question on G&D. Jay Gruden joins us at 5 o'clock today.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.